On the first day of autumn, you are working in the wheat fields to bring in the year's bounty with your family, your friends, and everyone in the village. With sickle in hand, you work methodically, cutting the grain row upon row, getting ready to bring in food that will last you through the autumn and into the cold winter months. As you're nearing the end of the work, you carefully slice the last few sheaves of grain and you braid them into a large circular wreath. People bring out candles and begin the procession back to the village, carefully carrying the wreath that will symbolize prosperity and bounty as the months grow darker and darker. Hello, and welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. I'm Devin. I have a master's in American history and indigenous studies. And I'm Sonia, and I'm doing a PhD in medieval history. The Baba Yaga Project is a podcast and blog that explores the ritualized year, folklore, and history. Today, we're talking about the autumn equinox. Yeah, so, Sonia, just in case anybody doesn't know, what exactly is the Autumn Equinox, and when is it going to happen? Right, so the Autumn Equinox, or September Equinox, is the moment in the year when the sun appears to cross the celestial equator, heading to the south, if you're, you know, in the northern hemisphere. And it's a day when there is roughly equal amount of daylight and darkness, which is why you get the name Equinox. This is, yeah, this is usually viewed as the first day of autumn. And from now until the winter solstice, the daylight hours will get shorter and shorter until you hit the winter solstice, which has the fewest number of daylight hours. Um, The fall equinox can occur at any time between September 21st and 24th. And this year, the equinox is on September 22nd, so we wanted to get this out a week in advance so that you can all be ready for it. Yeah. Go out in your field, get your wheat ready. That's right. Gotta bring in the last of that grain harvest. (laughs) I do really want to make a wreath now, though, that I heard that sick story. Right? Okay, so, cool. So this is, like, the day that we really usher in the best season of the year. Oh, absolutely. Fall or autumn since we're in Canada. I mean, Canada America. Canada also uses fall, but I just you know, I feel like it it's more more like interchangeable here. Yeah, in in the states it's it's fall. <laughs> it's fall, y'all. <laughs> it's fall, y'all. Ooh, that's how my people say it. I need North to. Carolina, uh, what's up? Exactly. You know, we're gonna get our pumpkin spice lattes. I'm very oh my excited. Gosh, I love pumpkin spice. Here, I I think I have to share a horrible secret with you, Devin. I I really dislike pumpkin flavored things. That's so upsetting <laughs> for you. I know it's really tragic. Also, um, pumpkin spice is just like general like pie flavoring spice it's not 
Like, there's no actual pumpkin flavor in it, so it's really just that you don't like nutmeg, which is depressing for you if we're going to do... But I do like nutmeg. But that's like the... I put it in my banana bread all the time. That's the main flavor of the pumpkin spice. It's nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice. It's just the... Maybe it's allspice that I don't like. Allspice is the best. It's just the spices that you put into a pumpkin pie or an apple pie. Huh. Yeah. Maybe I need to, like... But don't they put in that, like, pumpkin syrup? I don't think so. I think they put in that... Because there's a pumpkin flavor to it. Because they have the apple spice stuff. Like, when I've had, like, apple spice stuff, I've liked it. That has more, like... That one has more, like, sugar in it. The apple spice stuff does. (laughs) Maybe that's why I like it more. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, But, yeah, the pumpkin spice... Like, the pumpkin spice latte is just, like, the pie spices. There's not, like, actual pumpkin in it. Huh. I thought it had... Anyway, back to our actual discussion about fall though yeah but i mean i think we're talking about fall this is just like how we view fall nowadays yeah now it's you know so like how how because we're mostly talking about europe today how is this like european or western conception of fall like how has it changed since you know, the period where you're talking about, like, your story and the wreath making and that stuff, like, to now, just so we can, like, set that up. Yeah, I think, like, in a lot of ways, there's obviously things that are the same. Like, we still have, like, this is the time of the year when you get, like, harvest festivals in the form of, like, you know, assorted, like, Thanksgiving equivalents throughout, you know, places and you know you're getting all your like produce in and that sort of thing but I think I think the big difference is that in kind of pre-modern societies like this would have been the time of year when a there was the most work to be done because you're again like bringing in all these harvests and you're processing all this food but it also would have been like the time of year when you would have been like I mean, fall is obviously the best season even now, but, you oh, know, totally is. It's in the pre-modern weather. world, it is sweater weather. <laughs> but, like, in in the pre-modern world, even more so, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, you have this small window of time where suddenly you have more abundant food than at any other time of the year. And also more variety of food because so many different like fruits and vegetables and things are in season now. Right. So I think that's kind of the big, the biggest thing is just that like, it would have been even more like, this is the best season. Yeah, because everything would also be like, fresh. So it's not like stored and pickled and stuff. You're like getting... Yeah, like, you'd be working hard to, like, ferment and dry and preserve things. But, you know, this is, like, the one time of year when you really have access to, like, yeah, like you said, just, like, all the fresh produce possible, basically. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, there have been different ways of sort of observing this equinox Mm -hmm. um 
particularly in Eastern Europe, kind of throughout the like Slavic world, there was an I mean there is a um a celebration called Obzhenike or Dozhenike, depending on you know where you live, basically. Um, so it has okay. been basically continuously observed some from like pre-Christian times right through into the modern day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as with a lot of things in the deep past, we don't have like lots of information about it, but there seems yeah. to be, it, it seems like this, the fall equinox would have been associated initially with the pagan Slavic deities surrounding like plants and trees and agriculture. And then it kind of takes on this more, you you know, as, as many things tend to do, once the area becomes Christianized, it turns into this like Christianized version of this older festival. And then once you get into the 16th century, it actually starts to be a little bit more structured. And it's something that's organized by, you know, the landed gentry and the wealthy. And then even into the Soviet period, you would still have these kinds of these, these sorts of harvest celebrations that would just kind of remove any of the religious or uh, spiritual aspects of it in a lot of ways, or at least would, you know, outwardly not have, not, not have those aspects. So it's this really long running tradition. Interesting. Yeah, that's actually, that's awesome. That's cool that it managed to like survive Mm -hmm. the Soviet period. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of like how we talked about it mid, uh, the uh, midsummer episode that, yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, people it, it, people found ways to keep keep observing the traditions that they found meaningful, mm-hmm. even you know by circumventing certain issues, right? So, like, if the objection is, well, we don't want you know the the priest to come and bless the harvest. Well, okay, we'll just not have that aspect of this but like we'll do other parts of it yeah yeah and i i think in a lot of ways it yeah it was just this was also from at least what i've read this doesn't appear to have been like as aggressively shut down as like you know uh more more like outright christian holidays if that makes sense um, because I think, like, at, like, this is also was and and is a celebration of, you know, the workers of celebrating that you've come together as a community and have brought in this harvest. So, like, I think I think it wasn't mm-hmm. as much of an issue to celebrate this. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Fascinating. So, what exactly is entailed in this? celebration like what would you do right so this is what my little story at the beginning was based off so Mm -hmm. around the equinox you would be doing you would do your last your last grain harvest and after you had harvested the last 
bit of grain, you would have a solemn procession around the field, and some of the unreaped wheat or rye or other grain would be left at the edge of the field and then tied into a sheaf. And this has been called, mm-hmm. like, the Savior's beard, Grandfather's beard, the goat. You know, like, there's <laughs> lots of different, like, weird yeah. names it gets. Mm-hmm. And it was left as an offering to the gods of the fields. And in some regions, this this uh, sheaf of wheat was thought to actually contain benevolent spirits or the spirits of ancestors who would protect the fields. And then, of course, you know, with Christianization, it became more of this, you know, well, this is um, like that God and Christ will protect the fields if you yeah. leave out an offering, basically. So it's, it's, uh, it's again, this same, the, the same kind of syncretism, right? Where it's like, yeah, we're going to keep doing these traditions, even though the exact meaning has maybe shifted. Yeah. And then you would take your last bit of grain and weave it into a wreath. It symbolizes a rich harvest and the prospect of this wealth and also this new life that you have from the fields. And it's normally a circle, but it could also be woven into kind of non-typical shapes like ovals and rectangles and even crown shapes were made in different regions. Yeah, so that it's a very, you know... Like every like that's that's the thing about this is that every region and even within the same region a different village might do things differently, right? Like there's a commonality, but there's also these differences in how people observe right. things. So then, what would happen is typically this wreath would be blessed either by the priest or by you know somebody else with some form of authority and then you would carry this wreath back into the village in a procession with everybody who had come in from the fields coming with Mm -hmm. you right like you're all coming in together and then usually that wreath would be presented to you know the lord of the manor or you know whoever was sort of in charge Mm -hmm. in the area and then they would put that wreath in the icon corner, which, like, in um, in Eastern Europe, it's typical to have, in one corner of your house, you have, like, icons of, uh, of Christ and the Apostles and the Virgin yeah. Mary, right? So you'd put that there with them. And, yeah, even, even in the Soviet Union, that part of it i mean not mm-hmm. keeping the icons in the corner those yeah. weren't allowed but it would be the same thing in many of these villages where the the chairman or the artel of the collective farm would receive the wreath to put oh, in his cool. house yeah and then usually after this kind of solemn part of the ceremony then it's followed by dancing singing games sports competitions and a feast and usually it's food that's being put out and provided by, again, traditionally the lord of the manor or other wealthy in charge person. Yeah, that's the good part. The feasting and the parties. Yeah. So, 
Exactly. And there are, you know, again, every every area would have its traditional harvest mm-hmm. songs, traditional dances, you know, games that would be specific to a certain region. Right. And yeah, it's sort of this idea of giving thanks for what you have and also celebrating that, you know, all this hard work has been done and celebrating how much, you know, this this community that you have together. That's lovely. Yeah. We also see there would have been, it seems in the Middle Ages, some similar festivities in the UK. I couldn't find all that much about it, but it again seems like it, it would have been a similar kind of harvest festival situation in certain parts where the equinox okay. was observed. But a lot of a lot of the September rituals, um, particularly in the British Isles, were moved a little further into September and took on Michaelmas, oh, right. which was the feast of Saint Michael the the uh, the Archangel. Yeah, but you know it's it's the same idea where you'd have. Feasting, drinking, celebrating, bringing in this harvest. And it was also a time, it was also, again, one of the quarter days. So you'd have, you know, that's when your rent is due. That's when contracts could be made up or when contracts ended. And then, I mean, there, there's also some idea that, like, the Druids probably did something for this. Right. But... Yeah, I mean, as with most things with the druids, we don't really know. Yeah, they were very secretive and didn't have a written language, so they didn't they didn't yeah. really let the Romans in on what they were doing, and the Romans were not very happy about that. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so we don't actually know the 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 druid stuff is most of it's kind of guesswork, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's kind of trying to piece things together from archaeological yeah. study or from, you know, kind of second and third hand accounts by Romans who were occupying the area, basically. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So um, is there anything in, in other parts of Western Europe? So we talked about um, Eastern Europe, we talked about the UK. Yes. I... Don't know about, again, I, I don't know about specifically autumn equinox in other parts of mm-hmm. Europe um, with regards to like harvest mm-hmm. festivals and stuff. But in France, fun fact, um, the fall equinox was actually New Year's Day in the French Republican calendar from 1793 to 1805. Oh. Because the first, yeah. Because the first French Republic was comp- was proclaimed um, when the French monarchy was abolished, which was September 21st, 1792. Uh, so they made the next day, which that mm-hmm. year was the equinox, the first day of the Republican ah, era. Right. So for the first Republic, the autumn equinox was oh, cool. New Year's yeah, Day. because they made their own calendar to try and like remove religiosity and stuff from the the calendar so yes things were named like yes, they the were cold very month. much 
Yeah, which I mean, good good on them. But <laughs> yeah, I I do appreciate that they were like, no, we don't want these like Roman yeah. god names. <laughs> no more January. <laughs> Get out of here. That didn't last terrifically long, though. Yeah, I mean, they tried. They love their revolutions, the French. Yeah, what are they? They're on, what, the Fifth Republic now, I want to say? Yeah. Nice. We could learn a thing or two from them. (laughs) They need a revolution. I mean, you Um, said it, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I am innocent. (laughs) Yeah... (laughs) so do you have any information on like modern equinox practices other than it being listed on the calendar yeah actually um so in a lot of parts of eastern europe i mean to this day you're seeing these kinds of rituals are still observed especially in kind of smaller rural communities Mm mm-hmm um, and you also have the modern pagan ritual of Maybon. Oh, cool. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so this was a term coined in 1970 by Aidan Kelly. And it's a reference to Maybon ap Modron, who is a character from Welsh, Welsh mythology. Okay. And he was the son of Modron and was a member of King Arthur's war band and his court, basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so this is sort of a Thanksgiving-ish ritual in sort of modern neo-paganism and Wicca and kind of a, I, I guess like in... It it seems like it's been taken up by a lot of different sort of um, different types of pagan observances, basically. Okay. And it's kind of this ritual of thanksgiving for the food and for the earth and for agriculture. And also this recognition of the need to share the food that we have in order to kind of build our communities and to get the blessings of the god and goddess or you know any other deities that are in question and you know i think it it's interesting that you're kind of you see this sort of modern revival if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, just because, I mean, like I said, in a lot of cases, you know, especially with regards to to um, festivals that weren't um, weren't really Christianized, mm-hmm. you do see that a lot of it kind of fell out of practice and sort of fell out of favor. Mm-hmm. So I think it is interesting, sort of saying, well, okay, we're going to piece together sort of what we have to some extent and, like, celebrate this in a way that's, you know, different than in the past, but we still want to observe, yeah, you know, this this time of the year. Yeah. I- I'm not going to talk about specific rituals just because I, I am not myself... <laughs> 
like pagan or Wiccan. And from what I was reading online, it seems like it's, you know, a lot of these rituals tend to vary depending on practice quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I can't really speak to that, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's resources to check out if you're interested. Cool. So like, how can we integrate this kind of festival and acknowledgement into our lives now? Like as we get ready for this day and season to come? I mean, as we say, kind of on every other podcast, <laughs> like, have a, have a barbecue, have a picnic, <laughs> you know, have, have a socially distanced time sharing food with people. Yeah. But also, I think, you know, and we'll be talking about this more next week when we talk about, like, historical and sort of folkloric things people did in the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, kind of getting into the spirit of, like, fall things and, you know, maybe trying trying to recreate some of the things that people would have done and, and in many cases are still doing, like, you know, try your hand at making jams or preserves or, you know, at canning vegetables and stuff. Yeah. Also, I mean, there is nothing stopping you from getting getting some grasses or some wheat or whatever it is you want and making a little wreath for your house mm -hmm. and you know i think that that's a nice little a nice acknowledgement as well yeah i mean hang that up it's a nice good luck charm keep you safe through the winter <laughs> <laughs> we need to be kept safe through this winter who knows what's coming for us listen we are on wildfires part the second we are we're heading for a second wave of this pandemic i'm willing to use any good luck charm that comes my way same it's a scary time yeah and i think that's kind of why i'm really enjoying looking at like a lot of these older rituals and sort of seasonal and folkloric uh, practices mm -hmm. because I think it it has been really nice to sort of go okay everything is terrible and th the world is literally and figuratively on fire <laughs> but like I can I can make some pickles <laughs> and you know, I can just have that little bit of peace where I'm, you know, putting away fresh produce to be eaten later or where I'm, you know, doing things like, you know, I don't like, yeah, I guess just getting get, getting into that feeling of, okay, there's this seasonality, there's this rhythm to the year and... You know, there are small things I can do to feel a little bit more <laughs> at peace. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. I mean, I've been feeling that way too, obviously. Okay, well, cool. Well, I think that all sounds like 
an excellent idea, and I'm definitely going to be looking into making a wreath. I literally did just put together some bread dough. I'm letting that rise. So, getting into some of our practices. But we want to thank everybody so much for joining us, and you can check out our the blog for more information and seasonal about seasonal rituals and history. I think especially after next week, we're going to post some things up. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates, and please leave us a review on iTunes. We would really love to hear from you guys, and if you have any means, consider supporting us on Patreon. We have Patreon-exclusive merch, and it'll really help us expand this project in some super cool ways. And as always, uh, stay safe and do good work. By the window, the autumn leaves of red and gold. I see your lips, the summer kisses, the sunburned hands I used to hold since you were.